Joining us for the first time through Commercial University, my name is Christina Gus, um, and we thought this was a great opportunity to hear from those that may be a little more junior in the business, but just as successful to pick up some really great best practices and tips on how they accelerated their business. So with that, I will hand it over to Dan Spiegel, who will kick us off for today. All right. I'm not in my home office, so as I, we were just chatting about, I am calling you in today from top two, which is our recognition event for our top 2% or 60 uh, Cobalt Banker commercial professionals from across the US. And I'm going to say, I hope everybody in this call will be here at this event at some point, maybe next year, maybe three years out. Hopefully um, our guests and others will learn tips and we'll make it here because it's really a, a special opportunity. Um, thank you, Christina. Christina will be active in this conversation as well. Many of you obviously, I hopefully all of you know Christina who leads Commercial University. And I don't know how I came to this topic, but um, I mentioned to Christina a few weeks ago, I think we often give learning opportunities and mentoring from the people who are most senior in the industry, but we don't often learn and connect with people who are, I won't say starting out, but you know, accelerating, getting to that you know, ramp up point and doing okay in the industry. So I happen to um, either see on social or know or meet or chat with Ryan, Kathy and Nathan, all of whom I think are doing great from what I can tell. Um, and they're doing many of the right behaviors. Uh, they're very active on and social, very active within Cobalt Banker Commercial. And I thought this should be a cool opportunity to talk to them. And as I told all of them, to hear what they're doing, they feel like they're doing well, and to hear what's not working, what they've done wrong, and they wish they would have done done again, done differently. You know, we have over, you know, we have close to three thousand uh, commercial associates in the United States, um, and so this is just a sampling. There are probably many more talented people out there. And as Christina is writing, feel we'll all kind of facilitate, but feel free to chat, you know, raise your hand, unmute, ask questions, chat, ask questions, because this is really a conversation. This isn't just a, a presentation. Um, and hopefully we'll all walk away. I think they'll maybe learn from everyone on the call and hopefully they will impart some knowledge to them. So without further ado, let's just start with introductions, right? So uh, I will not tell say much about Kathy, Ryan and Nathan, but if you would just, you know, share where you are, how many years in the business, um, what was your professional background before you got in, um, any designations you have, just, you know, just give a little sense of who you are so people know where you're coming from. And in no particular, let me just try to do this alphabetically. Kathy, I'm going to have you go first and then Nathan and then Ryan, just by first name alphabetically. Sure. First of all, hi, uh, I'm Kathy Constanzo. Dan and Christina, thanks so much for having me here today. Um, I am in the Pasadena, California office, and my background, I feel, is, is very, very different. Um, so I, uh, I come from a, a, a communications degree uh, out of USC. Oh, my screen just did something strange. I have my degree in communications, um, and I had helped my family in property management. My dad and grandfather had designed and owned uh, Japanese Village Plaza here in Los Angeles. And while I was a student going to USC and doing that property management, it led me to a job where I was uh, working in uh, at Arthur Anderson, which was at the time a big six accounting firm in their marketing department, specifically dedicated to the entertainment group. 
And then I kind of fell into the next job, which was uh, working at Latham and Watkins. Um, I'm a, I was a litigation specialist that I worked for some of the largest law firms in the country, such as Latham. I worked at Munger, Tolson, Olson, and Wilmer Hale, which is a large intellectual property securities litigation firm, which was the last uh, firm that I worked for prior to my big career change. <laughs> So um, that is a little bit of background on uh, what I did. Oh, and I was also an entrepreneur with, with my uh, uh, husband at the time. We had opened up um, some restaurants and uh, different ventures, a hotel development company. So I've been around a developer my, basically my whole adult life through my, um, my dad, who's also a commercial broker, David Hyun. He's with Coldwell Banker as well. That's my, my dad. And uh, he, he's actually the reason why I'm in uh, real estate today. So thank you, dad. And, um, and so I've, I've been around it, but I uh, have a lot of different things in my background. Awesome. Thank you, Kathy. That's great. Super. And I know all these stories are gonna be super different. So Nathan, uh, <laughs> I'll say that my first name over to you for your story. All right. Uh, Nathan Matlich, I'm with Coldwell Banker Commercial in Billings, Montana. I've uh, been doing it for about five, five and a half years. Uh, previously to this, I was in Chicago for seven years, got an MBA, uh, worked for a couple different Fortune 500 companies, doing some sales and uh, business development. And then I got the real estate bug and became obsessed with residual income. And I figured I better figure out uh, what this real estate business is all about. Because uh, I had some different goals there. Uh, in Chicago, got an MBA in finance and healthcare administration, and realized that I didn't want to do either of those. So here, you know, so here I am. Um, I guess uh, I don't know how to do it. Um, All right. Uh, super. You know, I guess uh, one of the reasons why I ended up landing in commercial real estate is, you know, I went around and interviewed with some residential real estate firms and. Uh, after being self-employed for a couple of years in the energy business, they all told me I had to work on the nights and weekends and had family and young kids. So um, needless to say, I landed on commercial where I kind of ignore my phone after five o'clock and go back and do the family thing. But um, yeah, just saying hello from good old Billings, Montana. Awesome. How big is Billings in terms of marketplace? I know Kathy's from Pasadena, which is part of LA Metro, just to give a sense of it. But how, I don't know how big Billings is. So Billings is the largest city in Montana with a massive population of 115,000, awesome. which is laughable in some states. All right, cool. Thanks, Nathan. And Ryan, I think I think Champaign-Urbana is a little bit smaller even. So Ryan, over to you for your story. Yeah, my name's uh, Ryan Murphy. I'm with uh, Cobalt Banker Commercial Devonshire Realty in Champaign, Illinois, which is uh, it's a tertiary market. It's home to the University of Illinois. Um, but it's got a pretty robust business community. We've got 100,000 in Champaign-Urbana. That excludes the students. And our MSA is, is about 240,000 um, population. So um, I have been in the commercial real estate industry for about eight years. Um, I started out on the development side. I was a financial analyst for a uh, semi-prominent developer in uh, Champaign, Illinois. They were the developer of the research park for the University of Illinois. Um, so through that, I got a lot of experience in the development and management life cycle of the asset um, and did a decent amount of lease up work as well. So 
I wasn't completely green when I made uh, the switch to full-time brokerage three and a half years ago with Devonshire Realty, um, but a, definitely a very different business than what I was involved with on the development side. Um, so that's quick, quick background on me. Yeah, great, great deal. So one thing I, first of all, that was fascinating for me just to hear about your backgrounds. And I'm sure everybody in this call has a great story. And one, th I've been in the real estate commercial business for 30 years. I've been in the industry and I have met people from every background imaginable, professional musicians, former teachers. And it's really not, it's about having the sales skill and, and kind of business acumen. It's not so much, uh, it's not so much having to be born into real estate. So don't, if anyone's on the call who feel like they weren't born into it, you know, don't worry, you'll, you'll get there. All right, so let's, I'm gonna give you some questions and, and we can answer, you know, you guys just volunteer in whatever order, you know, feel free to share stories and anecdotes. Um, one thing I was gonna ask you is start out with this. So the industry in general is, you know, it's, it's like residential, but commercial is 100% independent contractor industry. You eat what you kill, so to speak, right? Um, so you're a very you know, high risk, high reward business. And a lot of people drop out. I mean, our dropout rate, I know in my former firms was 30 or 40% in the first couple of years. And, it, and you know, a lot of people just didn't make it. So it takes a time to ramp up. So tell us, tell me if you could each tell, you know, maybe just one or two or three stories, uh, one each um, about somebody, what was your biggest challenge in the first three years? Now, Ryan's kind of, kind of first three years already, but your biggest challenge uh, getting going in the industry and what you did to overcome it. Any order, anybody can volunteer. Or otherwise I'll have to call you out. Okay. So I'll, I'll start, I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm only going to share this because I'm, I'm hoping that it will help people that are new to this business just to understand how much mindset makes such a big difference that um, I came to commercial real estate because I'd had some significant health issues and these health issues is what caused, which is what actually gave me the strength to leave an industry that I really, I mean, lawyer sitting in basically the same space, the same office for essentially years of your life. And that killed a bit of my personality each and every day. And so if I did not have significant health issues that landed me in the hospital <laughs> three times and near death, it just, um, you know, I, it, it gives you a sense where, look, you want, if you want to find a career that you love, and you have to say failure is not an option. And you get there in different ways. Like with that, I really found my breath and found that even when you think that you're going through something that is hard to overcome and that you don't know necessarily what you wanna do. Like I did not know what I wanted to do when all that happened to me. Just, you gotta take it one step at a time. And um, and now I look at it as a tremendous blessing because if you don't go through real uh, hardship and adversity, um, you you can't you can't really. What else can give you the boost to make a change, to make that career change, to do something for you that would make you want to do something different that could really essentially change your life? So. Um, and then it's interesting because I just recovered by a year and I was completely healthy and I had thankfully, um, uh, uh gotten a, a mentor, which is, I know that will lead to another question for, but I really feel like getting, um, uh, getting yourself a mentor is the most important thing starting out, but I had just, we'll, we'll get to that later on, but, um, uh, the month that I started on the team 
my back rupture at a herniation and found out I had been rear-ended by a Freightliner truck and, um, and my, my disc had moved up five millimeters out of place in addition to the herniation. And what, what Bill said to me, what my man, Bill Eucarpita said to me is, Kathy, nobody knows where you are. You can be sitting, I was lying in bed. He says, you can make your phone calls. And when you're starting out, and we can get into this later, but there's so many things that you can be doing from anywhere in this world, including when you're in pain and you can't move, literally can't move, you can make calls. You can do a lot of different things. And um, so mindset, for those of you looking to get into this business or just starting out, there are very clear things that we can help to lay out for you in this call that you can do no matter what situation you're in and just be thankful for your breath, be thankful for movement, be thankful for the little things because those little things will really lead you to big things or bigger things, just one step at a time. Even if they're incremental movements that no one else can see, but you can and you can feel it, that, uh, that can give you a sense of accomplishment to keep moving forward in whatever it is that you're doing. And the same principle applies to commercial real estate. Just start where you are. Awesome. Uh, Ryan and Nathan, challenges, uh, biggest challenges in the first three years and what you did to overcome them. And if not, we'll move on to the next question. If you don't, you feel like you've been, had no challenges. In yeah. Your Right. Oh, no, I can, I can definitely jump in. There's always, always challenges in our industry for sure. Um, I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is just getting in the game on, on good deals, deals you want to work on that actually have some value. Um, and when you don't have a transaction history, you haven't, haven't gotten deals to the finish line. It's, it's not the easiest thing to convince prospective clients that you're the right person for the job. Um, you can put together an incredible incredible presentation and have a really strong relationship uh, but at the end of the day a lot of these prospective clients want to know that you've got a history of, of getting deals to the finish line and, and seeing that proven success so um, early on if I felt like a client needed that uh, the history of success I mean I could play on my past experience in different roles with a different company um, but I wasn't afraid to team up with another broker in our office. Um, it's not necessarily what I like to do, but uh, if that's what it was going to take to get a deal and bring in somebody else who's a little more senior, who had, who had that resume that showed they've, they've done a lot of deals. Um, then that was, I mean, that was valuable for me to do, to, to make sure I could get involved in some of those bigger deals. Awesome. Nathan, any war stories to share? Uh, just to, elaborate on what Ryan was saying. Um, when I first started, um, I moved to Billings. I didn't know anyone except my mother and father-in-law and two best friends, all of which did not support me at all or give me any referrals for my first three years, um, ironically. And so, um, you know, what I did is I, I just kind of tried to get out there and consistently go to every single BNI networking group, chamber event, um, did some volunteering and and met a lot of people and just grab onto any opportunity and and drag it back. Um, the way that we're set up in Billings is every new agent comes on, they get a mentor for the first year. And, you know, we find that that's absolutely uh, crucial and critical. And so far we're a hundred percent for retaining every new agent that we bring on, you know, because of that 
mentorship for the first year. Um, you know, but some of the things I think about is, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any experience. And so I went out and I said, oh yeah, you know, uh, we have tons of experience, you know, Hey, you know, let George and I let Blaine and I let David and I let Steve and I, you know, show you, you know, uh, how we take this to market or how we can get it sold at least very quickly. And, you know, after a year or two or three that morphed into, you know, just let me, you know, show you what I'm capable of. And so, you know, fortunate to have, you know, very good team approach in our office. Um, you know, but outside of that, you know, trying to read or listen to 50 or 60 audiobooks per year, just anything that's going to help me with, um, you know, getting referrals, sales, business development, uh, trying to gain some of those skills that, um, you know, I didn't really have any other uh, way to access. And um, I guess the last thing that was pretty interesting is um, when I first started in commercial real estate and I didn't know anyone, um, I thought that the most difficult part was finding people with money uh, to spend on commercial real estate. Uh, but as I became more seasoned, I realized that there's an infinite amount of, of capital out there chasing good real estate investments. And so as I was running around doing very small uh, leasing and sales transactions, and I was making, you know, $500 here, a thousand or $2,000 there, which, you know, took a heck of a lot of work, you know, just to, you know, make $4,000 a month, you know, barely pay the bills, you know, in the first year and, you know, support a family and kids and stuff. Um, you know, as I realized that it's, you know, there's an infinite amount of capital and it's tougher to find um, investment grade real estate that everyone wants or listings. But if you uh, capture those, you know, you either, you know, list a property for sale or lease, then all of a sudden, instead of having a, you know, 40% chance of making money with a you know, particular buyer tenant, all of a sudden I realized I was having about an 80% chance of making money once I had the listing. So um, I just strategically tried to figure out, you know, how to use social media and uh, doing some data farming for commercial property owners and a couple other things and uh, transition from a uh, buyer rep, tenant rep into, you know, I guess what I keep trying to do is or achieve the, be the king of listings um, you know, as I made that transition, you know, that's when I found more and more success. Awesome. So I heard, I think all three of you did touch on something. It's a question I had in the future, but I think you already touched it, which is get a mentor, a partner. Don't be afraid to partner. I think I heard that from all of you. Um, you know, especially when you're starting, Ryan, you said you were hesitant, but you've realized you needed someone more senior to, to show the, that you had the experience, right? Nathan, your, your company has a partnership mentor structure and Kathy, you have a mentor as well. So I think that's just clear one takeaway you all had. Um, I will remind people to ask questions, raise your hand, type in the chat. Uh, Christina's ready there to moderate and help us out. Let me, so let's, let's turn that question upside down for a second. What's one thing you thought was the right thing to do to get your career started that you realized was a complete waste of time and not worth doing at all? Anybody, I'm not gonna pick on you if you have or maybe you don't, maybe you did everything right, but if you did everything you, you thought like, I'm going to do this to prospect or to build relationships or get myself going that you go, well, in hindsight, in retrospect, I, that was a waste of time. Anything in retrospect that? for me, um, I realized that I was floundering out there um, and because I knew I had everything it took. I just didn't have any structure. So in retrospect, I would have just gone from day one to find the right mentor. 
because if you have everything it takes or a lot of what it takes and you just, you know, you, you could have a, um, a relatively simple transaction in front of you, but if you don't have somebody to ask a question of how to do it, <laughs> then you're not going to get the transaction done. So in hindsight, I wouldn't have wasted any time. I would have started on that path of finding that mentor immediately. Okay, great, great advice. Uh, Nathan, Ryan, any things you would not do again? Um, I don't, don't know that I have a specific thing, um, but I would say in general, early on, I, I maybe chased deals uh, that I wouldn't chase now that had low probability of success. And that's, I mean, that's a challenging part of the business still to this day is, is figuring out what deals are worth exploring, uh, what leads are worth exploring instead of, of wasting your time. I mean, I, I do think you can find value out of any deal, any lead you chase. Um, it may be a life lesson um, or something not to do, but um, I think early on, I probably chased too many deals that were low probability. Okay. Qualifying. So quality, you know, being better, better at qualifying which deals you should work on. Great. Nathan, anything you want to share on, on things you would or something you would not do as a rookie, a relative rookie? Uh, two things. You know, number one, I thought that if I just, you know, did some Facebook advertising and, you know, it just kind of the spray and pray and tell everyone in the market that I'm here in commercial real estate that people would naturally, you know, call me. Um, that didn't really work. I, I found that as I became more of a specialist and First, I focused on finding a lot of multifamily opportunities and then, you know, some industrial opportunities and really kind of, you know, focused on uh, some more specific things, uh, tangible, you know, parts of commercial real estate that, you know, weren't an infinite possibility, but rather a, a single focus within a specialty. Um, as I found success in, you know, multifamily, then you know, I was comfortable with that. And then I started trying to go after some industrial stuff. And as I, you know, became comfortable with that, started doing some retail. So it's uh, become a specialist in one thing and grow uh, would definitely be a recommendation. Awesome. Cool. Great, great life lesson. Okay, Kathy, I was going to go on. Kathy, wants to add something here? Yeah, I, um, I want to um, add on to what Ryan was saying is definitely um, if you, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, you think, I'm going to go after anything, you know, don't um, be much more discerning because you're going to waste a lot of time chasing these tiny little deals that aren't going to pay anything. And it actually takes more work to do the small things than it does the larger things. So set your goals, maybe not at, you know, these thousand square feet spaces, set a goal for yourself, three minimum, three or 5,000 square foot deals. And, um, cause it's, it's the same amount of work. And if you shoot higher, it's just going to be where you land. And the other thing I'd recommend is stay away to the best of your ability from subleasing. Subleasing creates a whole lot of nightmares. And, um, I'm, it's a, that's a whole nother story. I'm happy to share with people offline, but I would stay away from subleasing. Although sometimes if it's a good client and that's what they need you to do, you'll do it, but don't necessarily run to the app. That's funny. That's um, all right. I will go into the question. Kate Conquest is on. Kate, if you remember that expression from we were at the uh, residential events together, marketing is not what? It was an expression from our River Valley uh, coal banker, coal banker. What was the expression? Ad Kate? Advertising. Advertising is not marketing. Is that it. It? 
yeah, that was that was, it, yeah. Nathan, that's what that's what we heard at a, from a residential person. It's like, don't just think you're putting an ad out there and suddenly everyone comes knocking on your door. So Nathan, you just kind of made that ring and remind me in that head. Um, so again, on this section, I want to talk about some other things. Where do you get your introduction? Where do you cultivate new business? Where do you find the best opportunities to get warm, either warm introductions or cold call lists, however you do it? Um, where, are you, where are you finding those opportunities? Again, any, any, any order, whoever wants to volunteer. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, go ahead, Nathan. All right. Uh, one thing I think a lot about is uh, finding your people and then being uh, wildly consistent in, you know, going to those meetings and seeing them on a weekly or monthly basis. Uh, when I first started out, one thing I, I decided is I said, okay, I need to find the absolute biggest, the absolute best business networking groups, um, you know, where I can immediately connect with small business owners that need my services or landlords, those sorts of things. And so when I started out, you know, my calendar was very full. I probably had, you know, at least three, maybe five, you know, different networking activities um, every single week, you know, like a BNI or a biz to biz or a LATIP, you know, business networking group, chamber, volunteering, probably a couple of coffees. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think I did well is uh, capture all the contact details of those people that I was consistently connecting with. And then, you know, leveraging it across, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, monthly email marketing with properties I have for sale, for lease, just different ways of, you know, staying in front of those people so that down the road when they had a need or referral that I was constantly top of mind. Um, so, you know, find your people and stay consistently connecting with them and then remind them constantly that you're still around. Cool. All right. Cultivating new business. Where do you do it, Ryan? I think Ryan or yeah, I mean, to, to kind of piggyback off, off what Nathan said, um, is, is kind of working with referral partners. So finding people that touch the commercial real estate sector, um, whether that's lenders, attorneys, commercial insurance agents, um, whoever that might be, but having a strong contingent of referral partners um, that can provide you warm leads, you're not just making cold calls. Uh, and then past clients. I mean, that's that's my biggest source of, of new leads and new deals by far is just introductions and past clients connecting me to, to whomever that person might be. Great. Kathy, anything to add on, on business development? Sure. I absolutely think warm leads are the best. So one of the things coming into a career later in life here is you have a network, your own personal network to draw from. And Thankfully, I had been in the legal industry and in the accounting industry, and those are some of your greatest sources of referrals if you have people in that industry, because one, especially if you're coming into it later in life, they know you, they like you, and they trust you. I think going back to what something Nathan said earlier was ironically, you know, your friends and family don't give you business in the beginning. Well, I would actually expect that, that you know, if, if you're close to someone and you're starting out, they're probably afraid to go with you because you're new. But once you're established and you, you know, you have to go for it just and not count on any friends or family giving you a, a business in the beginning. But once you have things under your belt, your friends and family, I think, will end up those people you've worked with that like you and trust you will be some of your greatest source. So in the beginning, um, 
it's, I, I'd say several things. So you still work your database, the people that you know, but um, you know, when you have, um, when you have a listing, you network around, you, you prospect around your listing. So people are always very interested in what's happening around them. So you don't have, don't be afraid to go and just talk to people. That's the most important thing is just talking to people. We're in a numbers game business. So you can never, don't take anything personally. Cause say, you know, say someone comes to my door right now and they're trying to sell a refrigerator and I don't need a refrigerator. So I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't need one. And so that person, they can say, oh, okay, thank you. Or they can be upset about it. So when we walk into a door, just know you are somebody's gift. You are, Bill tells me that you're somebody's gift, but you know, somebody's waking up that day saying, Hey, I have this, this problem. I need to get, do something with my property. And, but they might not know that person. Well, I guarantee you when you hit on 50 doors, you're going to come across some people that have been, that woke up that day thinking, I wish I knew somebody, or I wish I, you know, something related to commercial real estate. So it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. So don't, if someone says no to you, it's not personal. You just keep going and, and um, you will surprisingly get uh, uh, leads. Just be consistent and people respect the hustle. If you're out there and you're talking to people, those people might end up referring you to, you know, the, oh, there's this guy right across the street and they'll tell you who in the, in the area is looking to make a move or a change or to sell their building. So, um, yeah. That's, that's great. Some good, good advice there. Um, I'm going to ask, and by the way, again, I'm going to remind people, ask questions, raise your hand, uh, take yourself off mute. Don't, don't be afraid. Christina, you said you're raising your finger. Yeah, there. I, I actually have a question. All right. All right, Christina, you go. For it. <laughs> so, um, I've had the pleasure of knowing each um, of you individually through different learning programs. And one of the things that um, you all hit upon was past clients, referral business, making those warm calls. And one thing that we always touch on is differentiating ourselves. So how do you differentiate yourself from the competition so you can create that trust and you can show that you are a knowledgeable person in the business? Yeah, what's your secret sauce when you go in? What's your value prop when you go in without, here's the way I heard it, Christina, once, without talking about all the deals you've done, you can't say that's off the table. How do you express your value to the prospect? Great question, Christina. Thank you. It's a hard question. <laughs> I can go first. Um, so when I meet with a prospective client, you know, one thing that I really focus on is that, um, you know, not only am I a commercial real estate expert, but um, I'm also a marketing expert. And I kind of tell them the story of, you know, I was in Chicago, I learned how to market. I came to Billings and I kind of looked at the commercial real estate industry and, you know, everyone who is, you know, kind of, you know, the old dogs or the top dogs, you know, they were really approaching commercial real estate um, marketing in kind of the old school type of way, um, you know, print one flyer, put it on one, you know, one website, put up one sign, tell one friend, sit back and hope that someone trips into your listing or someone brings you a, a client and you get to sell or lease the property. And what I explained to them that, you know, we're in a brave, a brave new world. And, um, you know, I've basically done the research to figure out every single possible, you know, website or marketing channel under the sun. And I detail them uh, specifically in all of my listing presentations. And I go through every single thing 
that I will do for them. And I kind of explain, you know, do you want the old way or do you want the new way? Do you want, you know, four different ways of marketing or do you want 35 different ways of marketing? And, um, you know, that uh, you almost have to be blind not to see my listings. And, you know, luckily they do in fact sell. So that's a good secret sauce. I, I'm ready to list with you, Nathan. Ryan, Kathy, how do you, what's your value prop? When you yeah, prospect? I mean, without talking about your resume. Sure, sure. No, Nathan's uh, brings up a great point. I mean, just just hitting on the marketing and, and what we can do and um, what our company can provide for them in terms of service and exposure. Um, but for me personally, in terms of secret sauce, I think it's communication. Um, I mean, we do monthly, quarterly activity reports for our clients if we're listing a property for sale or lease. But um, I'm not the broker that just sends out a monthly report or a quarterly report and then you don't hear from me again, uh, but just constantly providing updates on, hey, we had this showing, this party has some interest. Here are some of the things that we're doing to work on your property between our monthly or quarterly updates. Um, if, there's a, if there's something that's being negotiated and we haven't heard back, I followed up with this person, I haven't heard back, here's what we're waiting on, but just kind of constantly keeping them in the loop and making sure that they know that you're, you're thinking about their, their property and, and making them know that that's how you're gonna treat their property and their listing uh, during the listing presentation. That's great. Kathy, anything different to add on uh, how do you uh, convey your value prop? Well, in every transaction, I just really, the, the thing that is top of mind is always make it about your client. It's always about them and nothing else. <laughs> so listen to whatever it is that, what is their goals and objectives? And so once you really understand what it is that they want, you can help to make it one of the smoothest and easiest transactions that they will ever experience, which will cause them to be super happy with you and then to recommend you to other people. And I just like to keep it really simple, which is very bizarre, but in this business, answer your phone. <laughs> Number one, how many brokers don't answer their phone? Answer your phone, return your phone call within 24 hours and draft great contracts. So I feel like, you know, with those things, it, it helps to very simply, but effectively uh, differentiate me from the competition. Awesome. All right. I'm gonna... Christina, does that satisfy your question? I think it more than satisfies. Yeah, it's actually approached a few other questions outside of conducting business, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, so that, that was a good segue. I was going to ask the next thing I was going to ask. And again, anybody else, there's so many people on this call that I'm sure has a question or younger in their career have questions, please ask. Um, how do you, I was going to ask you, how do you prepare for meetings? Like, how do you, if it's a prospective tenant or buyer, like, what do you do to prepare? Um, so you know, you're knowledgeable about their needs or what questions do you, or maybe I'll put it this way, or in the meeting, what questions do you always ask to back to, back to the question that or the point Ryan made earlier to qualify them? So how do you prepare for meetings or how do you, what questions do you always ask a prospective client to make sure it's worth your time? Either, either question could, could be interesting to hear about. Well, I think it really depends on which kind of meeting is it. Are you preparing for a listing presentation? Are you preparing to meet a prospective tenant rep? It, it really depends. So if you're, um, if you're meeting a, a prospective tenant in a building that you're going to be giving a tour, 
you better just make sure without having to look at a piece of paper that you're a professional, know the square footage, know the price per square foot, know exactly what the, the, the specs are so that when you give a tour and get there early, turn the lights on, make sure the toilet is flush, just make it look good and know your information. So it's easy to pre prepare for something for a, for a tour on your building. If it's, if it's a listing presentation um, where the person is looking to sell, you look up the person to the best of your ability, do some research on them so that you know what sort of things they like and they don't like, what, what you know, um, so that you have topics of conversation that will happen around the moments that you have, you know, you run a property profile, you know how how large this the, the building is, you know the, the, the lot size, you've run some comps, so you know generally, uh, you can answer some general things. And also just don't be afraid to say, I, I'm not sure, I'm, I will get right back to you on this question if you don't know the answer. Never tell something that you don't know, <laughs> just I'll get right back to you. And that's also a great way to have a follow-up with that person, you know, and, and you can add more information on that follow-up. But uh, it really it really depends, but certainly preparation is key. Uh, know your audience to the best of your ability. And also, especially if you're new, dress for success. Because when you walk in that door and you're dressed well, people automatically assume that you're successful and that you're good at what you do. And so if you exude success, even if you're just start, just you exude that you walk in with that confidence and you're prepared with the knowledge, just take it one step at a time and you'll be fine, but just, uh, just be prepared and that will give you comfort. That's great. Uh, Nathan Ryan, preparing for meeting or qu probing questions, either one. So, my goal is to always be the king of listings because I find I make twice as much money if I have more listings than buyers or tenants. But, um, you know, over the years, I've created a listing presentation that the boilerplate is, you know, relatively the same. And then I add specific additional information based off of the property. Um, but I read a book a while ago called A Leader's Guide to Storytelling. And, you know, don't read it. It's 362 pages. I'll sum it up right now. Um, the number one best way to inspire anyone to take action is through storytelling. And so um, at the very front of my packet, um, I have about 50 five-star reviews that are on Google and Facebook that I copied and pasted to start out every single one of my listing presentations. And I leave those with uh, my clients because, you know, everything after that, besides some of the specific marketing that I do, they might or might not have heard before from a different agent. And so if I have, you know, 50 past clients with raving reviews that start out my presentation, you know, I don't read all those to them, but I say, Hey, you know, here's a couple pages. And then I accidentally flip through about, you know, 10 or 20 and they get the idea. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly have kind of that winning business presentation with all the, all the reviews. And then right at the beginning, you know, I, I list the specific benefits that they're going to get when listing with me, you know, selling it faster because of the marketing, selling it for a higher price because, you know, if I have it in 35 places instead of four, you know, they're going to get a lot more interest and potentially multiple offers scenarios, um, you know, sell it faster, sell it for a higher price. And um, I'm blanking on some of the other benefits, but, you know, that's kind of how I start out and then go through 
you know, the different ways that we market along with, um, you know, having some personal assistants that are constantly um, pumping out my marketing so I can spend 100% of my time selling their property, um, not doing admin and marketing tasks. Right. Yeah, I think so. If you and Kathy both touched on something, which is sell the benefit to the client, don't uh, is is maybe in sales as commonly said, show up and throw up and talk about yourself. Talk about what's important to them. I think that's what you're both saying. Ryan, anything different to add in, in uh, either program? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what uh, what they both said, but it, it kind of depends on the meeting that you're taking. Um, if you're meeting with uh, a buyer that is looking for an investment opportunity, um, then you need to be ready to ask probing questions of, of what they're looking for, trying to gauge, you know, why are they looking for an investment property um, to really fit fit what they need? Do they need a property with that's gonna have more price appreciation or that's gonna produce more income? Um, and a lot of that is gonna be, you're gonna be able to find that out by figuring out more about their lifestyle, with, you know, they've got a young family. So, so more than just the business side is kind of understanding their personal background and, and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, so any, any research you can do prior to it to figure out what their personal situation is uh, can be very helpful in figuring out what, what's going to be the best business decision for them. Awesome. That's great. Great answer. I, I, I will also remind people, this is my pet peeve, which is you're doing research on them. They're going to research you. So you better have a darn good LinkedIn profile. Go Google yourself and LinkedIn is always number one. And if you're not doing LinkedIn in this business, I just don't know what you're doing. This is my personal pet peeve. Uh, or a profile in CBC Worldwide because they're going to stumble across you. And if you're a blank page with no photo, that's not going to leave a, that's not going to give a great first impression. At least that's my pet peeve. So I'll leave it at that. Um, again, other questions. There's a whole bunch of people out here learning. Anybody else? Otherwise, Christina, you could ask the next question. Yeah, so each of you had mentioned, you know, it's a numbers business, it's ensuring that, you know, you're going out and you're prospecting, you're gathering those leads. How on a consistent basis are you ensuring that you're keeping your pipeline full so you are exercising those skills and you are keeping and maintaining that business coming in? Yeah, that's that's a great question. That's that's the tough one in, in the business for sure is just making sure you have a consistent full pipeline. And I think especially coming off a year where we were all impacted by uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, um, deals may have gotten through in the tail end of 2020 and you may have had a really solid year, but that doesn't mean that you've got a, a full pipeline in the back half of 2021 and looking into 2022. But um, I think it's just continuing to talk, continue to do the things you did, um, continuing to talk to your referral partners, continue to follow up with clients now, past clients, um, people you've worked with in the past that maybe their business is evolving and what you did for them two or three years ago may not be a fit for how they're operating now and, and figuring out how to how to use that to create a new opportunity for them and for yourselves. Um, just, just a few thoughts. So uh, that's a great question, Christina. I think that in our business, you know, we're seeing right now a lot of um, commercial brokers that are changing industries, but I actually feel like, and if you look, no matter where you are, there's a huge reshuffling going on. So if you needed a hundred thousand square feet before you might need 50, you had 10,000 before you might need three, there's a huge reshuffling. So I, I, I look at it from the perspective of 
there are so many people that need to make changes and moves. And no matter if it's in the office sector, even retail, um, there's a ton of, of activity in multifamily here. Um, industrial is just insanely hot. So there is never ever a reason to have a slow day if you provide structure for yourself. So if you're, you, you uh, find out, you know, you, you target what you want to do, you know, what sector you want, you target what kind of square footage you want as a target, you try to refine your list of what kind of projects you want to work on and then go after them. You can have title pull, um, you know, your title rep pull a, a prospecting list for you. If you don't, if you don't have somebody, if you have, there's, you know, Jane is on the call who is incredible. She's an amazing researcher for, for digging into find specific um, uh, contact information if you have a specific target in mind. And so with those things in mind, you go and you talk to people. And if they're far away or you can't reach them or you know uh, you, with the mass mandates or whatever COVID restrictions, you find, be creative, think outside of the box. There's ways to start conversations with people. And so the other thing I recommend is if you're gonna get into this business, you've got to make this a full-time job. You can't say, I'm going to do this for a couple of hours a day and real estate is going to be this great gig for me. That's not how commercial real estate works. You've got to make this a full-time commitment and act as if what happened to me, I could not move and I was stuck in bed and I had to focus on it. And that is, I think, the blessing that was given to me so that I had to focus and learn it and do nothing else but this for a long time, make it a full-time job create that for yourself. And then I guarantee you those conversations will lead to more things. And then you will have to learn more about drafting your proposals. And, um, and then you, you, each and every proposal is different. So how do you tailor that proposal or letter of intent to that specific deal? And then for that specific deal, then what kind of contract has to be written? So it's always a learning process. And again, if you don't know the answers, to a question, you ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask. That's like the key thing. And don't ever say you know it if you don't. I'm gonna say that a lot, but um, that I think will be very helpful in starting a career or even when you're in the middle of your career, if you have that outlook, it will always keep you very busy. That's great. great. Um, any I, other comments? You wanted to jump in too. <laughs> Yeah. One more, you know, one more comment, you know, one thing that I think about a lot is, you know, if I want to have the absolute most sales, I need to have the absolute best marketing. And the interesting thing about marketing is as easy it is to do, it's just as easy not to do. And so kind of from the beginning of my commercial real estate career, I did all the research of all the things that, you know, I needed to do consistently. And, you know, I created a system of reminders, you know, you could do it in Outlook and said, you know, the reminder recurring tasks for every week or quarter or year, be what it may. Um, you know, but I, from the beginning, I did a really good job at saying, okay, I'm going to show up to the same three networking groups every week. Everyone I meet, they're going to go into my, my uh, database. They're going to go on LinkedIn, you know, within my email marketing, I have a database for referral partners. I have a database for bankers and CPAs and attorneys and, you know, other real estate brokers. And depending on 
which list you're in, you're going to get consistent, you know, emails of properties I have for sale or lease. And, you know, through that, while I started out and I was doing all those things myself, you know, to start with quarterly newsletters, newsletter at the end of the year, it's all my past clients, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, one thing that I did early, but could have even done earlier was, you know, hiring an admin assistant to take over those sorts of, of tasks and responsibilities. And, um, you know, when we get very, very busy, it's very easy to stop doing some of the marketing or some of the tasks that, you know, keep the leads coming in, but, you know, then you end up on a roller coaster. So, um, you know, a lot of people think that an admin assistant is going to cost you 40 to $60,000 a year. Um, you know, one of my wife's stay at, stay at home mom friends had all the skills that, you know, were required. And I think I started out paying her, you know, $600 a month for, you know, a couple hours a week and, um, you know, ramped her up from there. So uh, just other creative ways or things to think about that, you know, if, if you want everyone to know your name, you have to do the activities consistently to let them know what you're up to. Great. All right, question again, call for, for questions related to this group. I've got, I've got one other question you can answer kind of quick and then we'll go into some fun questions really fast. Um, my question was gonna be, how do you, um, and this is, I'm gonna ask for Christina here. Like, what do you do to keep yourself learning? And what's your, how do you keep yourself one step ahead of the competition in terms of learning, like getting new skills? What do you do? Read the news every morning. Okay. And if your clients are in the news, make sure you send them a link to the article congratulating them or uh, whatever it is that's applicable so that they know that you're you're top they're top of mind and it keeps you in constant connection with them so they that always makes them very happy but right. I, yeah nathan ryan what do you do to stay ahead of the competition how do you get yourself smarter in the industry how do you make yourself smarter to be better yeah. Uh, um, I mean, just, just staying up on publications. I read the CCIM Institute magazine, ICSC magazine, when they come out monthly, quarterly, whatever they may be. Other publications take webinars that look interesting. Um, listen to podcasts, listen to other things uh, while I'm working. If, if I can, if it's a function that I can actually multitask and do. Um, so just, just trying to be open to hearing alternative ideas and strategies as much as possible. Cool. Nathan, your learning tip. You sounds like you read a lot of books or listen to a lot of books. We already got that, but what else? What do you listen uh, to about? Uh, probably about seven years ago, I, I read a book called The Miracle Morning. And it talked a lot about if you want to have a level 10 life or if you want to have a level 10 career, you have to wake up earlier. And in the morning, you have to have your morning routine that's going to help you develop into a level 10 person. If you develop yourself into a level 10 person, then you gain the level 10 life or level 10 career. And, you know, as part of it, you know, I um, this morning got up at 515, went to the gym, uh, you know, read a read a book, listened to audio book, uh, reviewed some of my goals, you know, you know, journaled. Um, just some of the things I'm, I'm grateful for and, and really took that time to uh, develop myself into a level 10 person. And so I kind of alternate between, um, you know, books that specifically apply to my commercial real estate career and then, you know, some other, um, you know, books on psychology, influence, persuasion, uh, or just anything um, that I could use, you know, to connect uh, and 
connect with people and help them get what they want in the world. Awesome. Wow. You guys are, no wonder you guys are doing so well. Kathy, you want to, okay. Okay. Me the fun round. Kathy has one more thing. I uh, guess yeah, just real quick. So I have to give a shout out to Nathan because so one way you can definitely become a better broker is by reading Nathan had put together this 40 listings in four years. Uh, I forgot about that. Nathan. I, I that with Kathy, Nathan, I don't know if I told you. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I did not have a chance to read this for forever. And Ryan had said something really nice. And I thought, got to read it. And then my, my schedule's just been so crazy. And I was like, it was just about a week ago at around two in the morning. I was like, I should flip through this thing. Okay. It is a roadmap. If you want to be successful, right, uh, Nathan has come up with this document that is insane. And I've never seen anything like it. And if there's one thing that I should have done when I started, if I knew Nathan was read this. So Nathan has um, the secret sauce written in a awesome in a document. <laughs> Mind if we share that, Nathan? That's fine. You can email. Okay. It. Sorry, Nathan. Yes. Yeah, we'll give. We'll uh, Christina. You can take. You can follow up with Nathan and post it somewhere. Nate, Beth, thanks. Uh -oh. I've completely forgotten about that. But I yes, that's an awesome document. Okay. We're going to do two really quick questions. We're not going to ask about your favorite ice cream or something like that, but just something personal. Um, and let's see. What do you do for fun outside of commercial real estate? A uh, lot of lot of family time. Uh, I've got a basically two-year-old son, another one on the way. And so we do a lot of, uh, I'd say, active activities, whether that's boating, golfing, playing sports, just doing things outside. So we do a lot of, a lot of family activities outside. Cool. Nathan, Kathy, what do you do for fun outside of commercial real estate? So my, uh, my go-to ultimate weekend, grab the family. I got four kids, eight years old, six, three, one, grab them, throw them in the car, uh, take them camping over by uh, Chico hot springs. We go camping. They eat way too many marshmallows uh, take them fly fishing. We jump in the hot springs and uh, they stay up past their bedtime around the campfire. So uh, lots of camping, fly fishing, and my wife likes going to the hot springs. So we get a shower halfway through the weekend. Awesome. Kathy, fun outside of real estate? So I, um, I love, I'm, uh, I'm single. So my kids are older. They are 22 and 20. And so when I, they, I see them on the weekends and we have a great time, but what I like to do for fun is probably different than what a lot of people love to work out. So, um, I did, I've, I took this yoga on a surfboard this weekend. Um, it's, you do paddle boarding and then you're out there and it's weird because a headstand is way easier than a tree pose on a surfboard. It's very strange, but things like that. Like I do body weight boot camp. I do um, very active things. I love to go to games. And the thing is like Dodger games, perfect opportunity. It's you get your social time in, but you're also networking with your clients. And, um, and then I love, um, I love charitable organizations and, um, and being able to give back, I feel like that's, um, it helps to give you purpose so that when you're working insane hours, it, that's what actually drives me is being, feeling like you can give back, doing random acts of kindness um, that, you know, you never have to talk about, but it just will fuel you and make you feel really great about 
your success or what you're doing, or even if you're not having any success, but you are able to find random acts of kindness in your day, um, they'll change everything. Makes you feel great. So but All right, like I'm gonna ask one thing, make sure we give Christina time to wrap up. So you gotta answer this one quickly. If you were not a commercial real estate broker, what would you be doing? What career would you choose? Oh. And money's no object. Just say, what would you rather, what would you be doing if you weren't a broker? I would probably be in Bali doing my yoga teacher training. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Ryan, what would you be doing if you weren't a broker? Um, I, I would probably be doing something in the fitness and wellness space. And if, if, uh, if it was in the business realm, probably commercial ins insurance. I kind of broke the mold from a long line of men in my family in the commercial insurance space uh, uh, transition to real estate. So okay. one of those two things. Nathan? I'd be a fly fishing guide. I'd spend all my time on the river, taking <laughs> people down the river, floating through the beautiful state of Montana, catching copious amounts of fish. Awesome. This group, by the way, I think this was a great conversation. Christina, over to you to wrap up. Thank you. I just want to give you my personal thank you. As a, and I want to see all of you at top two next year. So set your, as uh, I don't know, one of you said, set a goal. Set uh, a goal. Love to see you there. <laughs> well, Christina, why don't you take it from here? So thank you so much, Dan, Kathy, Nathan, and Ryan. You all are rock stars, and we're so appreciative that not only you're a part of the network, but you're willing to share your experiences. We heard things from having a mentor to prospecting to referral clients to all things on how you really built success in the business, some of those roadblocks that you hit and how you navigated through those roadblocks. One thing that I heard loud and clear is you all brought it back to something that you learned through your experiences at Commercial University. So we hope for all of you that are on the line with us today, you know that there's cbclearns.com where you can find some additional commercial learning opportunities, whether it be in self-paced, in video learning, or future virtual instructor-led sessions just like today. So we hope to see you on other Commercial University sessions. We hope that you all will join us at Global Conference to meet in person this coming March. And fingers crossed, we will see you at our top two event next year um, through award status. And thank you again to all of us um, who joined us in the panel and sharing your insights. And you'll get this recording as well as Nathan's document, um, hopefully his Nobel Peace Prize book that he wrote in commercial real estate after this session. Thanks everyone. Uh -huh. Uh -huh.